Good morning. We don't get to often choose our trials, but we can choose how we respond to them. I just want to thank you uh, if you've been someone who has been sharing things like memes and funny things on social media to kind of help us cope with some of these things. Um, I'm really glad to, to have that as just a bit of encouragement myself. Uh, but for others of us, you know, humor isn't the exact way that we respond. It's not really what we want or need. And I feel like that's why it's so helpful right now for us to be going through this series. And this will be our last uh, series in finding peace. And peace in the Old Testament, what it actually means is shalom. It's the sense of wholeness and completeness. So during this time, what we're dealing with right now, maybe for some of us, we don't actually want humor. We, We don't really need it. What we're going through is maybe job loss, and uh, we're going through family difficulty, and and we're in in real pain. And what we need is hope and encouragement. Uh, Others of us, um, we're still working, and it's really difficult and challenging because the workplace is completely different. And so what we actually want and what we're searching for is strength and perseverance in the midst of everything. Some of us are trapped at home, and we're with family, but it's not that easy at home. And so what we actually want is love and patience. So a lot of us, we're just all over the spectrum dealing with so many different things in our lives, but what we're actually seeking towards is maybe productivity, uh, wisdom and understanding for decision-making. What we want is this idea of wholeness. We want to be complete. And what finding peace is about, what finding shalom is about, is exactly this. If we're searching for these things, finding peace is what we need to be striving for. And it's not just something that we want ourselves. It's something that God wants for us in this time, in this period. And so the question that I I wanna bring up for us today is, how do we do this? In the midst of all that is happening right now, how do we become this whole complete person with wisdom, strength, love, understanding, patience? How can we find peace in a time like this? And if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones or something else, uh, what we're going to be in today is uh, we're going to be in Psalm 118 this morning together. Psalm 118. And it's kind of been difficult to keep track of time, but uh, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, which would make today Palm Sunday. And it's called Palm Sunday because when Jesus came into Jerusalem, uh, they greeted him, the crowds, by waving palm branches, laying down uh, palm branches. And this symbolized uh, victory, success, triumph, joy, and celebration as Jesus enters in. And, you know, I've been pretty uh, sad recently because uh, our Honduras trip uh, this summer with our youth students, it got postponed. And one of the first times that we went into the church, the church actually greeted us, our team, with this exact thing. They laid down plants and and they they celebrated us. They're they're warmly um, expecting us to come in. And this is exactly how Jesus is greeted as he goes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. But the interesting thing is, 
on Palm Sunday, as they're doing this, they're also shouting out something from this exact passage we're going to be in today, Psalm 118. They're shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then as we enter into Passion Week starting tomorrow, passion, it's suffering. That's, that's what it means. And as Jesus is about to be betrayed, denied, and crucified, uh, one of the nights before that, during the Last Supper, he's with his disciples. And as he is with them, before they go out to pray, uh, it says in Matthew 26.30, they actually sung a hymn together before they departed out. And it's so interesting because that hymn probably is also this exact chapter, Psalm 118. And so if the crowds are shouting Hosanna to Jesus, and if Jesus, before he goes out, perhaps the last passage that he reads before enduring suffering himself, if all of this is in Psalm 118, then perhaps this morning it would be really fitting for us also to be in Psalm 118 to see what God has for us here. And so let's dive into this chapter this morning Psalm 118, it's a bit of a longer passage, um, and I'm going to summarize part of, parts of it, and some of it is also very, uh, there's a lot of repetition in here, and so we're going to look at it together, and it begins with these bookends in verse 1 and verse 29, I believe, they're the exact same passage, and I'll read verse 1 for us, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Then in verses two through four, the psalmist is echoing over and over this particular phrase about God's love. His steadfast love endures forever. And then we pick it up in verse five together. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. We don't know exactly who the psalmist is specifically. We don't know exactly what he is dealing with. But the psalmist is clearly celebrating the love of God, but also in this place of distress and worry and suffering. And to get a little bit more clarity on that, let's actually jump down and glance at verses 10 through 13. And there's a a lot of mention of this word surround. And and he's actually saying, uh, this is the reason for his distress. Other nations surround me. Maybe his enemies are surrounding him. Perhaps there are violent people surrounding and swarming him like bees. And the psalmist is right here worried about his life. Uh, But in verses five through seven, what he's saying is, in this distress, when he's worried physically for how his health is is doing, if he's going to survive, in the midst of all of this, God is here. He is on my side. He is my helper. He's present. Even if I go through suffering, God is there. And the same is true for us. God is with us in our suffering. This is our first point for this morning. He's with us. He's present. He has not left us. He is with us on our side. And some of us, uh, we may be tempted to think, 
Well, of course, of course, a passage like this, you know, this person is, is probably a, a psalmist close to God, and he's going through this really intense crisis. And, and a crisis for him is um, maybe life or death. A crisis might also be defined as, um, you know, physical suffering or sickness, maybe something like job loss or relational brokenness or, or marital problems. These are all crisis moments, and of course God is there for those big things, and of course God is there for the spiritual things, and so maybe what comes to mind also is when we have doubts, when we're struggling with addiction or sin, of course God is there for crisis or spiritual things, but it's not just those moments. God is there for us in any and everything that we deal with, anything, and it looks differently for us. See, um, throughout the Psalms, we see this over and over again. People are praying to God, not just about crisis, uh, not just about um, certain religious things, um, but also uh, what, he, what is happening here is people actually throughout the Psalms, they go to God for all types of things, things like family problems, things like financial stressors, uh, things like um, even in their romantic life, when they're dealing with loneliness and anxiety. This is what people go to God for, all types of things. And so what this means for us also is we can go to God for anything. Any and all of our suffering, we can go to him and he is there for us. See, I've been talking to a lot of family and friends. Uh, I've been talking to um, students and parents and staff members, and you know, people are just checking in on me, and I'm checking in on them. And what, what a lot of people have been saying is things like, um, you know what, um, I've been going through um, job loss, family is really tough, work has been really tough, I've been feeling lonely, but I can't complain because maybe I still have my job or I still have my health. And I think that's very healthy for us because it's, it, it's people saying things like, I'm grateful, I'm thankful, um, and I really hope we continue to have this attitude and mindset even beyond this, but at the same time, I do wonder if some of us are hesitant to share with other people or even share with God because we feel like our suffering or what we're going through isn't as extreme or severe as someone else. And I just want to remind us, suffering is not a competition. Suffering is a consequence of sin. And both sin and suffering, it grieves God. And so whatever you're dealing with, big or small, whatever it is, we can go to him and he is there with us to hear our cries, to hear our prayers, to, to see us and be with us in these moments. God is there for us. We're never alone even when we're by ourselves. He is there with us. That's the first thing. But some of us, uh, we, we might actually be wondering, well, if God is with us, if he's there in our suffering, then how come I don't feel him? If we're honest with ourselves, it feels like sometimes we're just suffering and we're absolutely alone in this. And if you feel like that, continue with me in this passage. Psalm 118, we'll pick it up in verse 14 and on. 
And it says this, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but has not given me over to death. In this specific instance, the psalmist is crying out to God, and God delivers him, saves him. But if you actually look at this passage, as the psalmist is talking about the right hand of God saving me, exalting me, delivering me, he also says at the end of verse 18, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but has not given me over to death. And some of us, we just got a flashback of our parents disciplining us and not uh, being on the brink of death. Some of us just got like PTSD right there. But what this is actually saying is, it's talking about God's presence in deliverance, but also in discipline. Very interesting. And, and, and this is the second point here for us. God promises his presence, not prosperity. See, what, what I'm trying to say is this. There are a lot of reasons why people go to God. Some people go to God because they think that a relationship with him, along with that, will come prosperity and health and blessing and success and achievement and will get the desires of our hearts if we have enough faith, if we're obedient enough, then God will bless us and give us prosperity. And God doesn't do that. God doesn't promise us prosperity. Of course there are times when God will bless us with material things, with the relationships we want, with the jobs that we want. In certain settings, of course he will do that, but not always because he promises us something different. See, if you think that God promises prosperity, this is prosperity gospel. This is religion, working your way to get favor with God. That's not what Christianity teaches what we believe is, of course there's suffering in the world. Of course we deal with things. But in the midst of our suffering, God is there with us. This is what we believe. And if you're not convinced, uh, if you just look at the rest of the Psalms, it's people in distress, in hardship, in suffering, crying out to God. Even someone like David, who is after the heart of God. Uh, look at the book of Job. Look at that book. It's all about suffering and pain and loss. And if you're still not convinced, look at Jesus, the most perfect and complete person, full of faith, perfect obedience, and yet he went through the most suffering that anyone could ever imagine. See, what God promises us is not prosperity, but his presence, that he'll be with us and he will not leave us. In discipline, uh, in, in verse 18, this, this word, um, it actually has a really interesting meaning. It means to instruct or be taught with blows, like with blows. And so what it's actually saying here is, see, the presence of God, we would love for it to always feel warm and fuzzy and nice, like he's a weighted blanket and he's just there and our hearts are full. It would be great to feel that, but there are times when God disciplines us. And, and so what God does sometimes is he will allow pain, he will use suffering for good, for our good. He's gonna use it. 
And he's instructing and teaching us through this pain, through this suffering, through this hardship. And what's happening is he is growing in us. He's changing us. He's refining us through the fire. He's transforming us through this difficulty. And for some of us, this is going to be the hardest part of our lives that we've ever had to deal with and go through. And God is using this. He's using it to shape and change us with his presence. See, God does not promise prosperity for us, but he promises his presence. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna use this pain. I'm gonna use this trial. I'm gonna use this suffering to shape you, to change you. And you are not alone in it. I'm with you. I'm here. And for some of us, you may feel totally anxious or worried but God has not deserted you. For others, we're going through so much friction with people and we have huge decisions to make and we don't know what to do. And God is there. For some of us, being at home feels like we're absolutely alone. We can't connect with people anymore. We feel absolutely isolated. But even in those moments, God is present. He promises his presence to be with us. And if you're here, you might be a skeptic or maybe not a Christian, and we still welcome you. We're so glad that you're here joining us. But you might be thinking, you know, all of this sounds really nice. You're talking about peace, shalom, this idea of wholeness. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. I wish I could have that. And you're talking about God's presence, that he's, just, that he's with us in our suffering. You're talking about him promising his presence uh, to be with us always. But maybe I don't feel him. All of these concepts, peace and presence, it's so abstract. Like, I, I can't sense or really feel any of this. It, it seems so impersonal. And, and if you're there and you feel like, Wow, I, I can't really connect with this. These are all just really lofty, in the cloud, theology and truths that don't really connect with me. Look with me in this final section together. Psalm 118, 19 through 29. I'll read this entire portion for us. It says, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. 27, the Lord is God and he has made his light shine upon us. Bring the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of altar. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. This psalmist in the beginning opens with thanksgiving, talking about the steadfast love of God then he enters into this place of distress where he is praying to God, seeking him and saying, you're on my side, even though people surround me, even though this is happening. And then he celebrates God for salvation 
and, and then at this moment, he's actually rejoicing in verse 19 with the people, with the congregation. And so as we look at these verses, this last section of verses, the psalmist is walking into the temple with the rest of the congregation. And he is coming through the gates. He's seeing the priest. He's seeing the sacrificed. He's seeing the stones there. He's crying out to the name of the Lord with the people. He's rejoicing for righteousness, for salvation. They're singing this song together. And they're saying here even, save us, or which is translated in the New Testament, Hosanna. And all of this is happening for the psalmist. This is a real moment that he actually has. But this word Hosanna, it's also used in a way more personal way than it is here. See, what's happening here is it's them being in a temple, just singing, crying out to God about presence and peace and all the things surrounding them. But if we fast forward to the New Testament, when they cry out Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, when they're actually singing Psalm 118, they're not directing it just generally to God or in the temple. They're actually singing it to Jesus, to him. This is no longer just an impersonal thing that they're talking about anymore or an experience collectively. What they're saying is they're directing their praise, they're quoting this chapter to him, to Jesus. And what even Jesus says is, he says, when he comes, I am the door, I am the gate of righteousness. In fact, I am the righteousness of God. I am your salvation. I am the stone that the builders rejected that has become the cornerstone. I am the, the name above every name. I'm the king of kings. I'm the sacrifice. What Jesus is saying here is, the presence of God is no longer just this abstract concept in a temple. Jesus is saying, I am God, and I am present with you now. See, Isaiah 9-6 helps us here. And it's typically a, a, a verse that we look at during Christmas. And it says this, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom, Wholeness, Completeness, Totality. And what Jesus is saying here is, he's saying, I am the presence of God. I am peace and wholeness embodied. This is who I am. And what Jesus does for us is, he understands that sometimes the best and most loving thing that can happen for us is the most painful thing. And this is what he goes through for us on Passion Week. Jesus, he looks at us in our suffering and he says, I will take on flesh. I will come into the world. This concept of peace, this concept of my presence will no longer be abstract, but the person of peace has come. I'm here to be with you. And Jesus didn't just teach these things to us. He was with the people 
Jesus sat and talked with sinners. Jesus touched the infected and sick. He cried with those who were grieving and anxious and lonely. Jesus was with the people and he suffered and died as our substitute for us. This is what the cross symbolizes. Not just that God is with us in our suffering, but that God has took our suffering, the suffering that we deserve, the suffering that we should get. He took all of that upon himself and he died for us and then he resurrected And he says to us, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I will not leave you. Some of us right now are going through actually one of the hardest times of our lives. And God looks at us and he says, I have not departed from you. I have not rejected you. I took on flesh to die with you, to take your suffering. I understand you, I'm with you, so you can come to me for anything. In your prayers, in your struggles, in your trials, no matter how big, no matter how small, I am with you. And if you doubt that, if you don't feel it, if you question it, look to the cross. That's the person of peace who has come to find us, to save us, and to be with us forever. So what does this mean for us, the presence of God? For some of us, we feel very distant from God. We feel like so far away from him. And perhaps what God is calling you to right now is Maybe something like repentance. See, sin separates us from God. He's holy. And in our sin, we're not supposed to be in relationship. But because of Jesus' perfect life, his death for us, he forgives us and cleanses us of our sin so we can have relationship again, so we can be near. And if we're feeling particularly far away, Maybe what God is calling us to do right now is to come to him in repentance. That if we confess our sins, maybe even for the first time, that he saves us and he forgives and accepts us. And for some of us, if we're being completely honest, this season has been a season of temptation and trial and sin. The way we're coping with things has not been healthy and we need to repent of some of the things we've been doing in our lives to regain and maybe feel the presence of God again. Maybe we haven't been in repentance. For others of us, what we actually need to do is maybe cultivate this presence of God. See, it's so interesting. God is everywhere, but not all of us are near to him. There are certain pathways where we can actually meet with God. And these things are not new or necessarily revolutionary, but these are things like reading his word, which is just hearing his voice, hearing him talk to us. Other things we can do is pray, going on prayer walks. I know this has been helpful for a lot of people, including myself during this time, when I'm feeling stressed out or I feel like I don't know what to do. I'll just go and pray before God and pray for other people. It's been so helpful. 
For others, people are being challenged to just meditate or memorize scripture. Just take it, soak in it, really apply it to us, share it with other people, post. Some of us are called to fasting, where we give up food, give up things that we enjoy, to delight in his presence. Fasting is us just saying, God, more than anything else, we want you, we want to be with you, you're supreme. And so for some of us, maybe what we're called to is, God is challenging us right now. Won't you meet with me? Won't you be with me? Aren't you having a difficult time being anxious and lonely and worried and exhausted and tired? I want to be with you. And these are pathways where we meet with him again. And some of us, maybe what we need to do is lift up a prayer of commitment, telling God, I want to meet with you. I want to be close to you again. I need you here in this moment. And others of us, you know, we're pretty fortunate and we feel like, wow, you know, God has been so good to me and maybe we've been meeting with God but we see people around us, family members, friends, who are going through such a hard time. And maybe what God is challenging some of us to be right now is the presence of God for someone else. To be his voice, to comfort, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to give, to serve, to pray for, God's presence is with us. In our suffering, in our hardship, in our trials, he is there. No matter what you're going through, big or small, you can cry out to him. He wants to hear you. But best of all, the gospel is not about us finding peace, this abstract concept. The gospel is the person of peace who has come to find us, save us, and be with us forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that in our suffering, you're with us, you're here. Even if we don't feel it, God, we know because of the cross, because you've come in the flesh, because you've taken our suffering for us. God, we know that you can empathize with us and feel for us even in our darkest moments. And so God, we thank you that we have a God who hears us, who feels with us, cries with us, and has saved us from the punishment we deserve ourselves. And so God, we rejoice. We wanna pray, we wanna worship, we wanna experience your presence because your presence changes us. We thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.